But what matters is God's side, who is on the Lord's side. And I was thinking about this in terms of uh, the things that we see and, and hear every day and in news and politics and all of that. One of the, the jobs that I have to do is to sort through some of the news because we pray about current events and we pray about uh, we pray and take authority over principalities and powers and we need direction and we need declaration to make unto these things and so uh, these spiritual entities so it's it's good to keep uh, current in what God's doing but as I was thinking about it I was seeing how um, the lines of, of good and evil are blurred tremendously and they continue to be blurred every day through deception and through lies and, and distortions through accusation uh, we're living in a season of accusation high accusation where people can destroy Destroy a person's character uh, with a false story. And I, I was thinking to myself, I said, you know, Lord, I see why you, an abomination to you is a person who bears false witness. You know, that's one of the seven abominations that God, uh, things that God hates. Amen. And so because lies can destroy people's lives, uh, there are people who are in prison now because people lied and people, other people believe them, people in power believe them. And so, this is why God is a God of truth and he wants his people to walk in truth and so he is asking his people who's on my side who's on the side of truth who's on the side of righteousness who's on the side of uh, alleviating suffering and uh, compassion who is on that side and so I was looking through the word and was thinking about some of the things that, that go on in the world today and how easy it is for people to get swept up and caught up in a thought or in a mentality or, or being intimidated uh, into thinking a certain way. Uh, and, and when people get free from, from their bondage, mental bondage, what a big difference it makes in their lives. They're like wanting to tell the whole world. You know, so truth will be our new evangelism to a degree in this this world because uh, people are so caught up in the lies of the devil that they're going to have to come out of the lie that they've been told before they can really adequately hear the gospel. You know, I mean, we'll have to prep people with just helping them to discern truth from from uh, not truth and so that we can come into the light of the gospel. So in uh, Exodus chapter 32, I thought I would talk about this uh, chapter for a little bit. <clears throat> this is... Um, <clears throat> A situation that occurred uh, after uh, Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt. One of their stops was Sinai. I think that's where this takes place. And uh, so, um, uh, or, uh, you know, Sinai was part of this region, but Moses would oftentimes go up the mountain at Sinai to meet with God. And so he's gone up to meet with the Lord. He takes Joshua with him. 
uh, Joshua, who is Moses' minister, or the one who would, we would say is second in line or next, next in line, uh, to take Moses' place because Moses, you know, oftentimes, you know, people are trained. It starts out, you just feel, uh, connected with a person and you want to help them out and, you know, you want to, uh, assist them and so forth and so on. And pretty soon that same anointing that was placed on that individual gets placed on you because Joshua was with Moses. He had a lot of the deep experiences with God that Moses had. You know, we don't really see that per se in the word because it's not described and mentioned to us, but this is a place of training uh, to be an assistant, a place of learning. And if you will keep your eyes and ears open, uh, you'll learn. That's why Joshua was so attentive to God's voice and he had a lot of success as long as he followed the pattern that God gave him to follow. Uh, he learned how to be a leader among men and keep his ear tuned to God's uh, voice instead of listening to the demands of people. And so Joshua was more a God follower than he was being intimidated by what people did and said. He learned that. He learned it from seeing how God dealt with Moses, how he dealt with the people, and he learned it by seeing the mistakes that Moses made as well. So a good uh, learner or a good disciple or student will uh, learn the mistakes that the leader made and learn how to avoid those pitfalls and, and potholes. So Joshua and Moses have gone up to Mount Sinai and talked with God in verse 30 in chapter 32 verse 1 it says when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain the people gathered themselves together in the air and said make us gods <clears throat> which shall go up before us for as for this Moses the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt we don't know what became of him we don't know what happened to him um when people get restless, people get anxious, fearful, and restless when they don't understand what leadership is doing. Amen. And so if you're going to be a good disciple or a good servant of God, patience is one thing you will have to learn. And you will have to learn that it's unwise to move out without instruction and without a peace in your heart about what you're doing. Uh, it's unwise to move without leadership, without the leading of the Holy Spirit, without sound counsel. Uh, the Bible says uh, it, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Amen. And so it's good to allow God to speak to you through whoever he's put you under their leadership. Also, it's good to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the word speak to you. Get is get the word settled in you. You know what I mean when I say settled? I mean settled and immovable uh, so that it's, it's just not wise to run off with the first whim of word that you get. Yeah. 
You get me? Sometimes people get a prophecy and want to go run and do something real quick and, and instead of letting that word be established and settled in them, uh, I'd rather, uh, you know, you know, if you, if you can stop a runaway team of horses, but you can't beat a hit dead horse back into life. Amen. And so if, if you can, can understand that, you can understand that there's a, an in between somewhere where you don't want to be the runaway horse because God will always have to grab you and pull you back. But if you're waiting on God and you're waiting on that open door, that opportune time and learning how to let God lead you, it's best to wait and, and get a little overripe in your desire. God will make you move when it's time to move. He'll tell you. But you have to be established on the inside. You have to be settled on the inside. That, that this is what God, you have to be rock solid on the inside about what God wants you to do. And that's one of the problems with the children of Israel. They're emotional. They're fearful. Uh, just like new Christians, like you and I were when we were new in the things of God. And in some, about some things, some of us are still emotional and fearful. You know, uh, things that we think are so important to us, we just gotta have them, gotta have them, gotta have them. And we just refuse to settle down about things and allow God to develop some knowledge in us and some understanding. And that's Israel's problem. They are, are anxious where they are. They've had some miracles. But they've had some challenges. But under Moses' leadership, God has always come through for them. And so that's always been my 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 guiding principle. You know, it, it, if if this person prayed you out of the last trouble that you were in, why are you running someplace else and asking somebody else to? You understand what I'm saying? They taught you the word. They fed you the word. Now they're your enemy all of a sudden. You know, we got to watch that kind of stuff in the body of Christ because that spirit of betrayal comes up whenever you get selfish and you're worried about you and you think somebody isn't getting you where you want to go fast enough. Amen. Well, this is good anyway. You know, you know, things like loyalty and and faithfulness people don't care much about that anymore you know uh, you know somebody was mentioning a story once uh oral roberts uh when he got older you know this was maybe in the last 10 years of his life uh felt that he wanted to impart wisdom and training and teaching to some ministers um but he couldn't do it for free and so because he has to live, you know, he's got to make a living, too. And so he retired from preaching and he wasn't in the pulpits anymore and and uh, just decided to make himself available. And so the these gentlemen, I think his one of his assistants organized it for him. And these ministers would come and uh, spend time with him. He spent time with a small group of them. He would share the word and whatever he felt was on his heart, you know, it was something. And and they, they all felt it was very valuable. And somebody said that there was one man who never paid went and never paid and I said you know what he might as well cut his throat you understand what I'm saying seriously if you think you can steal something from God through his servant you're as good as a dead man 
You understand what I'm saying? I said, you know, somebody needs to chase after him and say, please give that money. You know, don't throw away your whole life. You think you're slick and you're smart and you're getting away with something? Really? And then to discourage a faithful servant of God like that and and you give them grief and trouble, you know? Mm -mm. Yeah. You know, the Bible speaks about that. It says, don't cause the people who are over you in the Lord trouble because it won't be good for you. You understand what I'm saying? You don't grieve the people who are called to serve God. And so it's just like that. We have to be careful with our wants, our our uh, impatience, our demands, our, our everything that, that, that is negative and of the enemy. It would not have hurt them to sit down and wait for Moses to get back. He had left to, to be alone with God before. Aaron was left there in his place. And so he always had an assistant there. Aaron was a priest. He was able to go to God on behalf of the people anytime they needed to. And so what the people did was they began to intimidate the second in command. Amen. Push that person around. Tell them, you know, you know, and and people do that kind of stuff. You know, that's always they do that. You understand? Expect it. But expect to stand strong in what God has given you to do. Amen. And just tell people what thus saith the Lord. No, we ain't going there. Amen. You know, sometimes people in, in, in the ministry over the years, they'll go to some pastor show. Well, Pastor Barb said, Pastor Barb said, I say, I ain't said nothing. I ain't told you to tell her what to do. If I want to tell Pastor Shirley something, I tell her myself. I don't need you to tell her nothing for me. What? You saying amen or what you saying back there? He said amen. That's right, baby. You know, don't you? Amen. So the people talk Aaron into making a golden calf because they're scared that their God, amen, is not going to do what they want him to do. And this is one of the main tricks of the enemy to get you to think God didn't hear you. He's not moving fast enough. Oh, you can't, you gonna pray and get healed. Ooh, it's gonna take a long time for that. Ooh, how you may not make it. You're healed from the day you, the day you believe you receive it, you're healed already. Amen. Bible says when you pray, believe you receive it, you'll have it. You don't think God knows how you suffer? You don't think he knows what you're going through? You don't think he knows that? Well, you think he runs a torture chamber? Well, you just want to make us wait forever for everything and still not give us what we want? Come on now. He rewards the righteous. He rewards faith. He rewards confidence in him. So Aaron tells people to take all their earrings off. Amen. You know, all that wealth that they got from Egypt, they're about to give it back. Now you done told, you done told the devil, give me my stuff back and you done robbed him and took all your stuff back from the devil. Now you're going to give it back to him. See, if you don't follow God, he's going to wind up getting it for him from you anyway. That's always his plan. Huh? He wants to get it back. He'll get it back through some hasty thing, you know, a a business deal that you're not supposed to 
do or you know buy a get hasty to have a certain kind of automobile and a kind of this and a kind of that and you know people they floor me sometimes I think to myself are these people real you know some of their demands you know people go up there you know guys standing in front of 2020 Escalade this gonna be my next vehicle I say huh what kind of job you got? Amen. You better drop down a little bit. Some of them. I didn't realize how they had um, changed the the quality and the pricing on Cadillacs. Because I know what Escalades cost. But then they drop down and the, the other ones in that family of cars are so much cheaper. There's like a $40,000 difference. But not that I'm going to buy one of them in that, that price bracket. You understand me? And if I did get one, it would be a gift from somebody who's very wealthy. I mean, like $100,000 would be like chump change to them. You understand what I'm saying? And don't introduce me to your uncle who ain't got no money, all right? He saved Pastor Barb. No, that's wonderful. And we'll pray for one another. But if he broke, let him keep going. Huh? Yes. <laughs> but see, we'll do stuff like that. You get get money from, make the devil give you money back. He gives you your house back, your job back, and then you go out and get over over budget and give it right back to him again. Instead of believing God for that, you get all excited. Just got to have it all of a sudden. Huh? Huh? That 2020 show would go good in my new garage I got. We're quick to give Egypt our our money back. Amen. So what God wants to do is get the Egypt out of them. Amen. And they won't let Egypt go quick enough. Because the one thing the enemy can count on is there is something that he can push you into doing if he agitates you enough about it. Where is it? When is it coming? You mean to tell me you got to wait for God to do that for you? I, that's just silly. You could go get that yourself. Hmm? Get it home. Don't run right. It's a lemon. They done bait and switched you on the, on the car lot. Huh? They know. Thousand dollars a month for a car note, your house don't cost that much. And if you're renting, you better not have nothing like that rolling up there. Let me, let me see if I can read, find it for y'all in my Bible. God says, I give you a land flowing with milk. He didn't say horses, chariots, nothing. He said, a land flowing with milk. Get you some property first. So you at least got a garage to put your million dollar car in. Just saying. They gave all that wealth back. Remember the night they left Egypt in a hurry? They put the blood over the door. These people know miracles. Now they know God spared everybody's life because that night everybody was shut up in the house. Didn't know what was good. They didn't know if this blood thing was going to work. 
But they obeyed anyway. And they stayed in the house all night long. When they got out, when they walked out that next morning, they were stepping over dead bodies of the Egyptian firstborn. And every household died that night. Before they left, they had asked their neighbors if they could have their precious things. And neighbors gave them to them willingly. Why? Because God told them to ask for it. You obey God, people will respond. Amen. They won't be able to resist. You'll have people sometimes say, I don't know why I'm doing this. Or it's something about you. I just like you. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I mean, you know, don't take that like it's for you. You know, let that be, let that humble you and let you know that God has blessed you and favored you. And he's helping you to have a good life. Amen. So God wants to make sure that we remain faithful to him and our faithfulness will be tested. And that's what's going on with Israel. Their faithfulness to God is just being tested. So they decide that they're they are not going to wait on Moses. They don't know what became of him. And, and we want to uh, get us a God that's going to help us. And verse 4 says, And he received them at their hand and fashioned it into a graving tool that after he had made a molten calf and they said this is our God O Israel which brought us up out of the land of Egypt now they got Aaron all hooked up in this charade because Aaron don't know about Moses either see this is common with people when they get under people who are leaders, they, there's people that, that will sit in somebody's church for 20 years and not be sure about them. You understand what I'm saying? Because 20 years later, somebody can talk them out of staying there and get what God has for them. They, they never were sure. All you have to do is pray and ask God, God, is this where I'm supposed to be? Huh? Learn how to mature and, and operate out of a pure heart. God, I don't really like this person. I don't like some of the things they say, how they do things. I don't like, I don't like. Help me to love this person. That's how we live as believers. We shouldn't be asking God's help to love everybody. Because we're subject to turn on and betray anybody. If we, you know, the devil get involved in your thought life and start picking at you about little nitpicky things all the time. So Aaron built, and when he saw the calf, he built an altar before it, and he made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast, is a feast to the Lord, this calf. And they rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Does that sound like church to you? And the Lord said to Moses, can you go down there and look after them people, please? <laughs> he said, I smell something and it smells bad. That's the way God deals with what goes on on earth. It either is a sweet aroma to him or it's a stench in his nostrils. And he told him, he says, your people, which you brought up out of Egypt, have corrupted themselves and have turned aside quickly out of the way. 
Quickly they will turn away from the things of God. Quickly they will start listening to their friends and not the parents anymore. Quickly they will start hanging around with the wrong. Quickly they have made them a molten calf and worshipped it and have sacrificed and said these are our gods O Israel which is brought you God hears exactly what we say amen and the Lord said to Moses I've seen this people and they are a stiff necked people now therefore let me alone because I'm real mad at them and I'm going to kill them all and I'll just take you and make you I'll make descendants out of you. And Joshua's like, what am I, chopped liver? Can I go to? <laughs> I ain't down there doing that, God. Choose me too. Huh? And he says, Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why are you angry against your people, which you brought forth? <laughs> God put, God put them on Moses. Now Moses putting them back on God. God said, you brought them people out. Moses said, no, God, you brought those people out. So God puts them back. Moses puts them back on God. And he says, if you do that, the Egyptians are going to say, God just brought them out to kill them. He wasn't sincere about blessing them. He wasn't sincere about doing them good. He just brought them out for for the sake of mischief. He was he was being deceptive when he did it. So Moses said, "You know, Lord, if you do this, it's going to be a bad report about you among the Egyptians." And he says, "Turn, please, from your fierce anger, and change your mind about this evil against your people." Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swear by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I will give to your seed, and they will inherit it forever. And the Lord repented and changed his mind about the evil which he thought to do to his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. And the tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other they were written. And the tables were the work of the hand of God, for the writing of of God was graven on the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people, they shouted, and he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp now Joshua is a disciple of Moses he's just learning amen so Joshua was thinking something terrible must have happened these people are hollering all loud and carrying on somebody must have jumped them while we were up talking to God amen and Moses listens now God's already told them what's going on down there Joshua don't believe God. You know, he ain't going to believe Moses in a minute. He off on his own little. He just learning, okay? It's like, Joshua, that is not the sound of war. Amen? I'm experienced in this, and I know what's going on down here. And so Moses correctly identifies the sound because God already told him what's going on behind his back. So when he finally makes it down there, 
he tells him and he said, it's not the voice of them uh, that shout for mastery. In other words, it's not a war cry and it's not them a, a, a cry for help because somebody's, you know, got an advantage over you. So this isn't about war. It says, but I'm hearing singing like drunk people. I hear a party going on down here. And it came to pass as soon as he came near to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses got as angry as God. See, God, Moses up there telling now God, calm down. Uh, remember what you told you. <laughs> You gave your word, told our ancestors, they're all of our kids, they're going to have many kids as the sand of the ski. Well, how are we going to get that if you're going to kill up everybody? And he, and he, angry, Moses was so angry that he threw the tablets out of his hand and broke all ten commandments himself by the time. See, people make you so mad sometimes. That's why you got to learn how to live in the presence of God all the time. People make you so mad with their craziness and shenanigans. You think to yourself, how can you be a Christian and live like this? Now, seriously, folks. You know, you. it took me many years to learn how to just stay in the presence of the Lord and back off from crazy people. Because people do some very outrageous and outlandish things and think they're hearing from God. When they get impatient, when they get anxious, when they want something so bad, when they, you know, the devil's a good one at telling you, oh, you, you gotta get this now. You don't wanna wait till you get older. I ain't waiting. I'm living with God. I'm satisfied. Listen, devil, I got what I want. Something you can't have. I got Jesus. Huh? And whatever life he plans for me, that's fine as far as I'm concerned. I ain't hot to do nothing. Praise God. I mean, you know, take that any way you want to. But, you know, the people get prophecies and get all wound up. And I'm thinking, I'll say, well, you know, that's all good and fine. But you still got to believe God till it gets here. So you just better go unwind yourself right now. Do yourself a favor. Go unwind yourself. And learn how to be normal here. Learn how to live in the spirit. The highest life you'll ever have is living in the spirit of God. The greatest joy you'll ever have is pleasing God. You don't get turned on by material things. They're going to be here when you die. They don't sell a coffin big enough to get all your possessions in. You understand? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Somebody going to get them and either wear them or not wear them, give them the Salvation Army, throw them out, whatever. You don't want to sell out for material things. My goodness. Learn what's important. Learn what's, you got the best. I don't care how little you have in a material sense. If you've got God, you've got the greatest thing that you'll ever possess in your life. Learn how to keep a right perspective on things. So he, he, the Lord, you know, he sends Moses down here, Moses, and broke up all the tablets, you know, 
he just as bad as they are. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody in bad shape. Trying to f- to figure out what God's doing and trying to be faithful and follow God. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it in the powder. And they uh, uh, scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people to you that you that caused you to do so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of the Lord wax hot. You know the people. They're set on mischief. In other ways, Moses, what you expect of these people? Now, you've been leading them for all this long time. And, you know, you know, so here Aaron blames the people for him going along with them. Well, everybody's dependent on Moses now. They're dependent on Moses to go to God, get the word, come and preach, go visit the sick. Huh? Beg you to believe God so you can be healed instead of dying. I mean everything. So it's time for everybody now to grow up. Amen. It's really time for everybody to grow up. So God is expecting something out of this people. They don't want to do what God tells them to do, but he's expecting it anyway. And I believe God's expecting something from us. Amen. All the time. You know, I see people, you know, going to calling themselves ministers and up in front of people singing and got low-cut evening gowns on. Wait, you ain't no, if you want to be a cabaret singer, go to a nightclub. That's right. That's Why are you working God's people and taking their tithes and offerings That's right. yeah. and calling yourself a gospel singer? Right, right, that's right. Go sit down somewhere. That's right, yes, yes, amen. Amen. You know, I may not have a voice to sing, but I know how to dress holy. I know how to look like I'm here representing. You see people on Facebook always making excuses for them when they done messed up. All y'all need to just go and read your Bibles. Just get off the internet and go read your Bible. Need to, how can you prop somebody up and you barely in there in your own life? Know what I'm saying? Well, don't say, don't speak about this person and don't say, well, I'm going to tell it like it is. And I was, that's the kind of people Moses had under him. Church people is always from, from eons are all the same. Stiff necked, rebellious. Huh? When they get what they want and they're happy for a season. You're fighting the leadership when you try to tell them how to live right. Huh? That's true. Oh, he, I don't think she ain't got no business telling me. <coughs> Excuse me? It says pastor of the church? You know what that means? You're supposed to follow me. I'll follow you. You don't come in here dressing any kind of way. God said, you shall be holy because I'm holy. Just because I'm holy, you be like me. You may not do everything right, but you can look like you do. (laughs) It's called faith. Huh? 
<laughs> I remember Sandy Brown was talking about when she was a new uh, a new believer and she was going to Rama and she's wearing these jeans that look like they're painted on. She tells a story. And she said, I had a big red afro. Um, they would get them to perms. White girls would get them tight perms back in the 60s and 70s and pick them out. They look just like big afros. You know, anything to get attention. And she said, people just loved on me. And she said, I know I looked a sight. She said, but I didn't know any better. She said, and I, I, I was thankful nobody really said much to me. She said, and then one day I was in the back of the uh, classroom at Rama. She said, Brother Hagen walked past me. She said, and the spirit of God on him was so strong. She said, I felt so ashamed and embarrassed. She said, and from that day forward, I just started dressing like the. She thought she was going to be different, revolutionize the saints. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody comes in with that thought. I'm going to be me. You don't even know who you are. Reading your Bible upside down. and Huh? I'm going to be me. You don't even know who you is yet. You're here to find out. Amen. And that's what Israel, that was their problem. They they didn't want to find out who they really were. Didn't want to wait on God so he could teach them. You know, yes, he's given you all things. And yes, you're rich in God. Yes, he has promised you all things that pertain to life and godliness. But you have to have them in the right order. And so this is a test for them. A test of their patience. Can they wait on God to give them the next move or will they break out and start doing some of them same old Egyptian things? They learn to worship idols in Egypt. Amen. That's where they learn to do it. And so they go right back to those old ways as soon as leadership is out of the. True. People can't even wait sometimes to get out of church where they start talking about everybody. Did you see so? Did you see so? Yeah. Did you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God sees everything. Yeah. You know, after a while, we all grow out of it. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, we're, we're so carnal minded. We're looking for everybody else to be in as bad a shape as we are. That's why sometimes people's sins and faults are so interesting to other people. Uh-huh. Looking for somebody to be in the same boat you think you're in. See, when you live in guilt, fear, and condemnation, you're looking for somebody else to jump in there with you. Huh? It might take you walking with God a good 10 years to realize every day that your sins are forgiven. To stop feeling guilty about what you did before you knew the Lord. Amen? So, and that's if you, you doing everything and minding your own business and ain't run, wondering what everybody else is doing. <laughs> so here these crazy Israelites are down here worshiping a golden calf. Moses busts them. They didn't got Moses in trouble. Everybody mad. God mad. Moses mad. People down there having fun though. Huh? In 
in verse 24, and I said to them, whosoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and came, and there came out this calf. And this is Aaron's story. And Moses saw that the people were naked for Aaron had made them naked to their shame among their enemies. So they're really having what you might call a uh, um, carnal you know, this is how the the uh, gods of, of the world will do. They'll eventually get you, bring you to shame. Amen. You'll start off having fun. You'll start off, oh, this is the best thing. To, oh, well, look at me. I can do this and I can do that. And pretty soon you're sitting in a corner somewhere because you went too far. Amen. Devil always wants you to go too far. So Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? This is a way to get all this kind of confusion, all this, uh, um, I guess what you would say, carnality, living carnal, living for the world, desiring the things of the world. God will just call time on this nonsense. Then when God says, who's on my side, that means he's done with that kind of stuff. That means he's not winking at what you do anymore. That means it's not cute and funny to him anymore. That means he wants to make something out of you. And he needs you to understand that you have to commit to him in order to get there. You ain't there yet. So he needs to see some, you gotta have some skin in the game. You gotta have something that you can sacrifice so that you can say, God, I am on your side and here is the proof of it. Amen. Amen. There comes a time you gotta woman up and man up and just let the world go and then let God begin to develop you. Accept who you really are. Come over to the Lord's side. Find out what's in you for real. Instead of running around trying to pretend to everybody that you're spiritual and you got a word for everybody and you holy and you want to pray for everybody. You won't do this. You won't do that. Just uh, whose side are you on? That's all that's important. It doesn't matter what you do, how you do it, how much of it you do. You got to be doing it from the right side. You got to be doing it under the right authority with the right person. So uh, Moses said, who is on the Lord's side? Come on over here to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Now, Aaron, the, the chief man, got used by the people. See, it's always the ones that are in line to be used by God or have power with God that the enemy will pick at to see if he can pull them over. Right. Huh? And do get them to mess up to knock them out of position. See, you can find, you find weakness in people, especially when they're called to exhibit strength. Before they really know who they are. Because they stay in the mirror all the time trying to talk about what God is going to do with them instead of being in their Bible. Huh? Over somewhere fantasizing about. Looking at yourself all the time make you crazy. 
make you weak. Amen. Make you stupid. You got to come out of self. That's why God says, who's on my side? I don't care. I don't care what you do. I don't care about your prophecy. I don't care what somebody told you you're supposed to do. You got to get on my side before you can. You ain't doing nothing without me giving it to you to do. You got to wait on God anyway. And this is all that this is about. Anxiety, fear, and dread at waiting on God. So they get them a little group together and decide to jump Aaron and talk him into disobeying God with them. If you want a calf, go make you one. Why you got to involve the high priest? Because that's the devil's way. He wants to see who he can get involved in his nonsense because he wants to take the whole show down. Amen. So God, Moses told the people, come on over here with me. If you're on the Lord's side, he said all the sons of Levi gathered themselves. What of them, his bros, you know, and the family people gathered themselves to him. And he said to them, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I want every one of you to put your sword on and go in and out from the gate throughout the camp and kill everybody, all your brothers and every man and companion, every man your neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses and their fellow people that day, 3,000 men. Now, if God asks you, if you're on his side, and you say, God, I'm on your side, what are you willing to put to death in order to prove it? Seriously, what are you willing to kill in order to prove that you're on God's side? Because you got to let go of something. You understand me? If God tells you he's not sure of your your allegiance, you got to let something go. And you got to put something to death and you got to let it go in a way that you don't care if you ever get it back again. And I'm not talking about things that you don't care about, but I'm talking about sometimes things you care deeply about. Things that you believed and believed for a long time and and even shared your testimony around certain things. God said, I don't want you to talk about that no more. Are you willing to put that to death? Huh? So what are you willing to kill to prove to God that you're on his side? So Israel then began to show God what they, you know, their allegiance to him. And cutting themselves off from the source of sin and deception and wrongdoing. And see, there are things that God wants people to disconnect from to prove they love him, that they put him first, that they'll do anything that he tells them to do. He'll know it by what you're willing to let go of, what you're willing to walk away from. And what you're willing to not indulge in. Amen. So it's time to own own the right to be on the Lord's side. You know, it's not for people just say, I'm saved and I know I'm saved and I know I'm a child of God. But yeah, that's all good. And we all like that. Everybody's confessed Christ is in that boat. But are you on his side? See, you're trying to prove that he's on your side. 
But you got to prove that you're on his side. So he needs to see something. From the children of Israel, he needed to see that they were willing to cut off the source of sin in their lives so that they could live a better life. Amen? They're willing to cut off the influence of people and things that you love dearly. And maybe you think they're wonderful Christians and they do this well and that well, but you know they're not good for your life. They're not going where you going. Huh? You know, sometimes people live so emotionally. I look at people sometimes, I said to myself, I said, Lord, do they know how far ahead they would be if they could just let go of that something that feeds their flesh, that little something that feeds them like that? Would they, would they really, do they know that that would be a place that they could go in you that's so much greater than where they are now, but they keep feeding that little do you understand what I'm saying? Something you got to kill. You know, I, I mean, in the in the world now, God is looking for his Christian people to stand up against abortion. That's right. Because he, when he says, who's on my side and you're passive about it or you, you know, well, you know, I don't do that. And I, it ain't that. I, but that ain't my business. If somebody want to choose and. That's the biggie of the the hour if you don't but know it. Well, I'm here to tell you it is. Because that's where God's drawing the bloodline. And you got to either be on his side and be totally against it. Or you're going to be on the wishy-washy. Huh? And miss out. And see, a lot of times people say, well, you'll say, you, we preachers say things, well, you'll miss out on what God has for you. Most people don't even know what that is. Just living passive from day to day, go to church, live the same way over and over again. Do a little witnessing here, do a little some of that there. Because they're afraid to ask God, God, if I get on your side, what does that mean? If I get on your side, what's that going to do for me? What does that mean for me, God? Am I going to have to give up this? Am I going to have to give up? <laughs> See, if you're like that, you don't have no clue of what it means to be for God. Because if you've been on his side, you must know you've given up everything for him. Come on. Verse 28, the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, there fell of the people that day 3,000 men. And Moses said, consecrate yourselves. In other words, you put away your sin. Slaying those people meant putting away sin because those were the people that influenced them to do wrong. See, when, when God in the Old Testament, when you see God killing up a bunch of people, he's eliminating sin out of the lives of their people. When he would tell them, you're going to go into the land of the Amalekites, all them ites, and he, t- he would tell them before every battle what they were to do. I want you to kill every man, and, but 
save the women and children and cattle alive or kill up everybody, kill the cattle too, kill up everything. He's, he's letting people know how much he hates sin. He's not doing it just to kill people because he's God. But he makes his people put their hand to it so that they can know what it feels like to reject sin and get it out of their lives. And so once they put their sin away, the source of the sin away, then they go ahead and he says, consecrate yourselves to God. Even every man upon his son and upon his brother that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. So in other words, now you've done with putting away your sin. Keep yourself pure. So God can bless you. You think that's not important to God? Look at what he did to get these people free from sin. It's very important that you live sin free so he can bless you. Oh, you know, it's just hard. No, it's not. All you got to do is keep confessing and repenting. You get sick of doing the same old stuff and asking forgiveness. You'll quit. Amen. Huh? Amen. I'll tell you like the old saints, you say, oh, yeah, you'll quit, honey. Trust me. You say you can't, you can. Don't sell yourself short. You can quit and you will. Huh? A lot of sins will quit you. You get close enough to God, they'll quit you. And everybody that was enticing you to do it will leave you too. Huh? All you got to do is take their number out your phone. Quit answering when they call. You'll be fine. But see, you know what? Oh, I understand perfectly. I understand the devil, I understand God, and I'd rather spend my time understanding God than try to figure out the devil and what he's doing. And it came to pass, verse 30, on that day that Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. Putting another God before, that's the first commandment they broke. That's number one. They didn't know all of them. Because Moses hadn't brought the tablets down to him yet, to them yet. Before he can even get down and tell them what was right and what was wrong, they done done wrong. So he gets to tell them after the fact, but from this point forward, you're not going to do this no more. He says, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Every man upon his son and brother that he may bestow a blessing on you. And it came to pass that Moses said to the people, you sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord and see if if I'll be able to make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and saying, Lord, these people have sinned a great sin. And God's like, I told you that before you went down there. But see, when you see it for yourself, huh? It's like, you know, people, for years, I think, we've, we buried our head in the sand in the body of Christ about abortion. You know, you see now, you see these, these, uh, little videotapes, ultrasounds of babies getting abortions. It's little things, you know, not even a pound. 
And uh, do you see these metal instruments come in there and they like try to push them off and and they're confined in this little space, helpless and trying to fight for their lives. Yet we think it's we don't have to draw a line. We don't have to make a decision about that in our hearts. We don't have to decide right here, right now that this is sin and I'm not going to support it in any kind of way. You know, now it's a political thing. Everything gets politicized after a while. So they want to push Christians over into a party based on these people hate you over here. So you got to come over here with us where we can help you. But they're for killing babies in the womb. So God says, are you on my side? Who's on my side? Who's on my side? You're going to have to get all the way on my side. Because I'm not putting up with this fence sitting. I'm not putting up with this compromising. I'm not putting up with this. Well, you know, I can't vote for them people. They racist. I'd rather vote for a racist than a baby killer. Racism you can fix. If that's true, that's just a name they throw around to keep black people upset. What else you got for me? Well, they're a homophobe. I'd rather vote for a homophobe than a baby killer. Shedding innocent blood. It's the highest crime you could ever commit on earth. It's abomination to God. Yes. See, we keep it going because we can't vote for them people because they just racist. They don't like me. The ones you vote for don't like you. Now what you gonna do? You wanna be liked or you wanna be on God's side? You gotta make a choice. So God makes a bloodline right in the middle of your life. And he says, now if you for me, I didn't put up with your excuses. I didn't put up with your lame brain stuff, your numbskull stuff, and all that compromise stuff long enough. You decide today. You either with me or you're not. So he goes up to God and he talks to God about this. He tells him then done a sin. They made this thing out of gold. And you know, we got a lot of golden calves in our life. You know, you could start trying to, trying to, uh, do a good work for God and get involved with people. And pretty soon you like them more than you like God. You can tell whoever you answer the quickest, that's who you like the most. Verse 32, yet now, if you will forgive their sin, he said, if you can't forgive them, just kill me. And, you know, Moses was that kind of intercessor, very dramatic. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, he's the one I'm going to hold responsible for it. Mm -hmm. 
In other words, God's holding us responsible for this. He's holding you responsible for your prayer, for your vote, for your money, for your taxes. He's holding you responsible for everything you do. And it's all got to be given over to him. He said to Moses, whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore, go now, lead the people to the place which I have spoken of to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. So really what God's wanting to know is you want to plague or you want to live with me? Huh? What's a plague? Uh, anything you praying for that you would like having in your life and it never comes? Because you're not on his side. You know, it's it's like this. You know, you can pray and you can bind the enemy. But if you're over in his camp, living among his kind, and letting him tell you how to live instead of living the way God tells you to live. Hmm? Your friends and associations must be handpicked by God. You can't just rush up to people and they, oh, and people will love you and oh, you're just so nice and I, you're just a wonderful person and yeah, right. Huh? Till God tells me to talk about your sin to you, then I'm not so wonderful. Huh? Then I'm one of those Christians. Huh? You might as well be one of those Christians straight up and don't let them people get deceived about you. You understand me? Just stay on the Lord's side. But you can't, all you're binding the devil and all your prayers against darkness. If you've got darkness, if you embrace darkness, it's not, you're not ever going to get free from it. The Bible says that you got to fulfill your obedience before you can avenge disobedience. Before you can tell the devil to take a hike and he obeys you. I said, yeah, God, you know what? They've been trying to bind me down there and all they do is promote abortion. Well, I don't go out and, and promote these things. Yeah, but you vote for people who do. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You got me? Amen. Well, see, that's not why I vote for. Well, sure it is. It's a package deal. That's the way the enemy always is. He takes something that you like and wraps it up with something that's evil. And you take what you, all you see is what you like. Yes. But the evil's still in there. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. That goes for friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. Yes. Yes. Huh? Yes. Amen. People get involved in a lot of little wicked things because it was wrapped up in a pretty package. Yes. Huh? You got intimidated. And this issue is dividing families, folks. There are people, I see people online every day, can't talk to the family at, at uh, Thanksgiving, everybody's against me. Huh? So you can't tell me God's not in it. Them people ain't fighting each other for nothing. There's an issue there. There's a good and evil issue there that's causing people to line up on one side or the other. 
So what God wants to know is who's on my side? Are you on his side? He is not going to let us ride the fence forever, folks. Babies are killed by the millions every day. Talk about racism. You know, some races are their own worst enemy. In Washington, D.C. area, there's more African and maybe American babies aborted than born alive. We're doing that to ourselves. So you can't blame that on nobody. That's us doing that. I see Alveda King sometimes down at the White House. She's always down there. You know why she's down there? Because she's getting encouragement and she's getting help to teach African-American women to keep their babies. That's something we used to do. He used to die. You know, come home, Mama, I know you're pregnant. Well, we just going to have a baby then. Right. Yes. End of discussion. We were considered immoral, uh, low class, all that. You know, I mean, the baby's coming. What are you going to do? Yes. You got to take care of life. Yes. You don't like the way it came. Right. You'd rather it came through a marriage, but you got to stand for life. Yes. It's like that now, folks. It's just that black and white. We got to stand for life. I don't care what color it is. Slap some sense into yourself. The devil likes to divide and conquer. Likes to pull you away from people who tell you the truth. You know, some of y'all rating now to go run and tell somebody, hey lady, oh, she a Trump supporter. Listen, I'll support anybody who's not going to help you kill a baby. I'll support Donald Duck for president. Huh? I will. I'll go right down to Disney World and give him my vote. Uh, if he's running. As long as he's for keeping life, I'm for that. Amen. I am for that. And you need to thank God, God raised somebody up who will speak for life. Because too many people are intimidated not to do it. We let the Catholics go out there and pray the rosary and look and people make fun of them and we just go and hide somewhere. Need to be out there with them. It's nonsense. The more people that join in their faith and their voices will get this thing turned around. You know, we pray for more heartbeat states to to be raised up. Well, that law goes too far. No, your law goes too far. If you get a one killing, our law ain't going far enough. That Kermit Gosnell, that doctor they put in jail because he was putting babies to death after they were born. And he told them at his sentencing, he said, well, he said, all I have to tell you is that you're going to have to put a lot of people in jail because everybody's going to be doing what I did pretty soon. New York State just passed a law. You can kill a baby after it's born. You understand? After it's born, folks. What gives you the power to take a life? 
Why would you want to take a life to prove you have power? See, we're talking deranged people, folks. Thank you, baby. Oh, yeah. Deranged people making laws. Deranged people in hospitals, in abortion clinics. They have to be deranged. Shedding innocent blood causes a guilt to come on your soul that will make you crazy. You need to pray for them to stop and end this whole crazy thing. So God put a plague out there. Why? Because they're not on his side. Plague comes automatically to people who aren't on God's side. Sometimes we haven't felt it yet. But sometimes, a little bit by little bit, we start noticing things. This ain't right here. Say, I used to be able to go to God and get this, that, and the other. Something. something. Yeah. You check what side you're on. That's right. You better check what side you're on. Because you have a covenant that works perfectly if you're obedient to God. Hallelujah. Huh? Amen. And be on His side with no excuses. Amen. Huh? Well, I want to be on God's side, but no, there's no but. You either on it or you ain't. Amen. Amen. When God asks who's on his side, that means he has made a decision already how he's going to deal with people who are not. He's made that decision already, folks. God's sick of this. He's sick of this murder of the innocent. He's sick of it. When God asks how long, he's getting ready to do something. He asks the question, how long? In Exodus 10, 3, how long will these people refuse to humble themselves before me? And then God dealt with them. Exodus 16, 28, where plagues followed these kinds of activities. How long do they refuse to keep my laws? And he dealt with them. Numbers fourteen twenty seven. How long will I look at this evil? And God sent another plague. First Samuel sixteen one. He asked Samuel, How long will you mourn from Saul for Saul? I fired him already. In other words, God said, I love Saul too, but I'm over it. I'm time to move on and find somebody who loves me and will obey me. He's do that. Amen. First Kings eighteen twenty twenty one. How long will you halt between two opinions? He asked the Israelite that at Mount Carmel. Huh? If Baal is God, serve him. But if I'm God, serve me. Decision time. Amen? You need to think about decision time as being every day that you wake up, you decide if you're for God today or not. You don't let the devil lure you over with some pretense because trust me, he's got a bunch of them. In Revelation 6.10, how long the angels in heaven, the saints in heaven ask God, will you not judge and avenge our blood? And I believe that the souls in heaven that have been aborted and God took them back are asking him that question now. How long? Are you not going to judge these people who are for baby killing? Amen? Yes. I mean, it's, it's, 
It's cloaked in a nice political package. Well, I'm a liberal. That means I love everybody and I don't judge anybody. You better judge yourself. You don't have to judge nobody. Don't even look outside yourself to judge somebody. You judge you. And find out if you're on God's side or not. And if you're not, repent and get on God's side and stay there. Some idiot come up to you and talk you in the... Them Christians, they talk a lot of... And it's dividing the body of Christ. You see people, there are people who have had long-time relationships with people. They don't even speak to them, can't speak to them. Because they found out how they really felt. Huh? See, when God starts pulling the cover off, baby, you can't run and hide. You just got to deal with it as best you can. And we're in exposure season. And people are kicking up a lot of dust. And people are fussing a lot and people are arguing a lot because they're trying to cover up and can't find cover. Only God can do that. When you find that there's no cover for you anymore, you can't lie to people and get people to believe you anymore. It's time to man up and woman up and repent. Tell God the truth. And God, I've been chasing after this and chasing after that. It was never you. And I was warned. My pastor told me, other Christians that live for you told me, and I thought I was right. Huh? Oh, yeah. It's the truth. I don't need nobody to tell me amen. I know that's the truth. You understand me? But it's time to get all the dust out of our, (laughs) out of our throats. Amen? This little virus that's running around is a warning. Huh? You start seeing these plagues and people getting on and off airplanes and coming and got to get quarantined and all that kind of stuff. Huh? Now you may, if you're in the shadow of the Almighty, you do have immunity. But you better be on the Lord's side to make sure that immunity holds. You can't be caught with anything false in you. Because when God's glory starts sweeping through, it's going to sweep out the evil before he can bring in the power that he needs to really save people who are repentant. The stiff neck are going to have to be moved out the way. Amen. Anybody who thinks they're right, no matter what. Anybody refuses to repent, no matter what. Anybody ain't going to go along with that, no matter what. You understand me? And and so you got to in your heart understand where God's at. You got to know. You got to know there's no uh, you know thou shalt not kill. There's no exceptions to that. Amen. Huh? Amen. Yeah. I, I don't care if you don't think you're voting for people for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. A vote is an agreement. Yes it is. Yes. A vote gives people power to stay in office. Yes. Yes. Huh? You can't be both places now. You can't be on the Lord's side and over here too. You gotta make up your mind. When he said who's on his side, he wants an answer. It's all about who you love. About showing him some love. That'll be love. Huh? You show him you love him above all others. Cause your politicians can't save you. Huh? Your votes can't save you. People can't do anything for you. 
Amen. You need to be loyal to God, and that's all. Okay, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for understanding. That comes with your word. Thank you, Lord, for people who are angry at me, and for people who are not angry at me. Amen. Father, I thank you that politics has no place in your kingdom. You're not political. You're God. And so we thank you, Lord, and we honor you, and we love you, and we bless you, and we praise you. We show you our love and our allegiance in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Praise God.